Hello, and welcome to the Nomi Key Show. I am Nomi Key Konst. What a remarkable day. Maybe, just maybe, <laughs> this day will end with the banishment of both Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell. Of course, if we've learned anything from this madness of Donald Trump, it is not over until it's over. Look at the Nazi protesters. And I say Nazi because they were praising Nazi at their Nazis at their rally. Look at the Nazi protesters disrupting the vote counting right now. We support protests, of course, the right to organize, of course. But imagine if this was BLM or in response to a black man or woman being shot by the police or even progressive women, progressive women in Congress. In Donald Trump's world, I guess it is never over. He and his supporters will be fighting this election until the end of times whenever they are for them. Many disregard things that have happened on Capitol Hill in our history. They've disregarded them or they've forgotten them. After all, this is the place where Joe McCarthy was asked, have you no shame? But I nominate today's actions by Trump's acolytes as the most shameful in our history. And I don't even mean the acolytes outside who have now pushed inside, by the way, and there are now shots that have gone off in the Capitol. I actually mean the senators and the House members inside. It isn't that they know that they can't win. Frankly, we progressives, of course, can empathize with fighting on in a losing cause inside and outside. But that is not what this is. This is a this is shameful because they know they shouldn't win. They know that their election fraud claims are the fraud that Trump is lying to his supporters and they are jumping on his bandwagon of make believe to further their own political interests in the future. This is the most corrosive political behavior I have seen in my lifetime. And uh, I ran for office against the New York machine and the tabloid media in the city. This challenge to Biden's electoral college win is based on utterly cynical politics, a politics that believes you can get away with anything if you just lie convincingly, propped up by media, propped up by social media. Trump did not invent this, but he sure has taken it to a new and frightening level. Of course, he didn't invent this. This actually came straight out of McCarthyism. Trump is, is part of the McCarthy path. He learned from him. He learned from Roy Cohn. He learned from Roger Stone. They all worked together. So what a legacy. Who's next? Senator Cruz? Senator Hawley? The rest of you pursuing this phony challenge? Have you no shame? At the same time, Let's be proud of the voters of Georgia. Raphael Warnock won a solid victory. And John Ossoff is ahead right now by more than 11,000 votes that Biden carried the state by. To, to Trump's frustration, you know, this is, this is why he's angry. This is why he's lashing out. But this is also because organizers were on the ground doing the work, the long-term work that the Democrats really haven't been doing for the last decade and a half. So not only are the Democrats on the cusp of taking back the Senate, but Georgia has become a swing state, maybe even a Democratic state, might I say. To dust off an old hashtag, this changes everything. For the first time since the early years of Obama administration presidency, and both, and both houses of Congress are in the hands of Democrats. But back then, we were still high on the Obama hope and change. Now we're organized. Now we, we don't rely on the Democratic Party. This is about something bigger. 
It's about organizing so that these guys don't win. These guys who are storming the Capitol, who get their news off of Q. Now we know that this win doesn't make everything we want happen, but it does make everything we want possible. There's a path, there's a door open, but we have to do that if we fight hard enough and smart enough. Being smart is crucial. The margins in Congress are very tight. You can't be tighter than a 50-fit split in the Senate, which is what we get when John Ossoff's lead is confirmed as a victory, hopefully today. Kamala Harris will be a busy, busy vice president casting tie-breaking votes. Tie-breaking votes that we have the ability to pressure her into. In a Congress this closely divided, conservatives, Democrats like Joe Manchin and more moderate Republicans like, say, Lisa Murkowski will have a lot of leverage. They'll be the power brokers. They might even get high off of it. But we have a lot of leverage, too, most importantly, because people are hurting and they need help. They don't want help. They need help. And Joe Biden needs to lead. He has no choice. It's his legacy. It's either you do something big or this country disintegrates before your eyes into this madness. This isn't the moment for negotiating a moderate middle way. This is the moment for major advances on health, jobs, and justice. It is a New Deal moment. The harsh reality and the political possibilities are aligned to do what needs to be done now. President-elect Biden is the crucial player. You think that FDR was progressive, or do you think the movement pressured him? Do you think that Lyndon Johnson was progressive, or do you think the movements pressured him? Our favorite professor, Harvey K., explained this very clearly today in a tweet. FDR succeeded because he mobilized and empowered American working people to fight both the Depression and capital and to push him. People pushed him. He wasn't perfect on foreign policy. We know that LBJ certainly wasn't. But domestically, they had to respond to the movements that had major, major demands and showed up every single day with labor to do so. We need everyone pushing Joe Biden together. We need Joe Biden to understand what FDR understood. We are pushing him to make a better president and this a better country. We need to back up our legislative allies like Sanders and even Warren and Markey, of course, in the Senate and AOC and the squad and Cori Bush and the progressive caucus in the House. We need to empower our labor allies because they are listened to even while they're weaker than ever. And most important, we need every progressive of every stripe to bring your A-game to Joe Biden's first 100 days so they are a 100 days to be proud of. Look at this madness. We have had enough in our politics to be ashamed of these last four years. It is time to make politics that working people and all Americans can respect because this is what we're fighting. If we are not organizing, these people win. If we are not strategic, these people win. And who are these people? These are the people bringing firearms into the Capitol and chanting Nazi Hitler slogans outside the Capitol. Do we want this to happen? The lines are clear. The lines are clear. This is why solidarity matters. And this is why we have to support progressives stepping up and fighting this. We have an extraordinary show today. We have the one and only Senator Nina Turner. She is here to talk about her progressive run. She will be back in a few minutes. We're going to let this tape run uh, for a few minutes because this is absolutely crazy. And then right after our interview with, with Senator Nina Turner, we're going to talk about what's happening on the Capitol with Jordan Zacharin and Simon Rhodes. So stick around. We'll be right back after the break. I'm so excited uh, to have our dear friend, our ally, our leader, 
Uh, Senator Nina Turner, she is a former Ohio State Senator out of Cleveland, Ohio. She was, of course, the co-chair of the Bernie Sanders 2020 uh, presidential campaign, the former president of Our Revolution. She is the host of Hello Somebody podcast. What else am I missing? That's just a, <laughs> some of the love. Oh, you were a member of the Unity Reform Commission in which we- You, we both were. The country and <laughs> yes, we did that yes. together. We did, we did. Senator, um, I'm loving that skyline in the background. I grew up in Buffalo. Cleveland was like our, our sister city. <laughs> yes. Very interesting, you know, they look the same. They We have similar culture, people similar, don't know. Similar, absolutely. Rugged Midwest, Midwest sensibilities. <laughs> exactly. So Senator, I am- I'm so honored uh, to have you. I am beyond thrilled to see you running, especially at this moment, because um, if there's something that we've noticed probably since the end of the presidential campaign, uh, the primary, there's you know, the, the movements, when you have a figure to unify around, it helps us stay focused. It helps us keep that solidarity. And I really believe that your candidacy and who you've, represented in the what you've represented in the movement is going to be an amazing rallying cry for us at a time of crisis uh when we've got uh right winger oh, I, I don't even uh, conspiracy theorists storming the capitol and yeah. firing shots yes it's important to see what can happen and we saw that through the squad but we know who you are and we know what you're going to bring we've seen just a sliver of that and uh, you know, I, I couldn't be more excited about supporting you in your run. So um, I guess the first question is, which I ask every single candidate, why are you running for Congress? Well, thank you, Nomi. We've been through a lot together. We've been around the block a few times, uh, doing good, uh, making good trouble, to quote the, the great Congressman John Lewis, and good trouble does absolutely matter. I mean, I'm running in this race as a continuation of my public service uh, to the community that I love, where I was born and raised in. I am a daughter of the city of Cleveland, and as you know, being the great student of history that you are, I don't think there's much that you don't know, and if you don't know, you find out about it, and I know you're viewers. I'm just celebrating that you are in this space. Not my first time with you, but I haven't been on in a while. And so I just want to say again, I want to say Happy New Year to all of your Happy viewers year. and really just celebrate the fact that you are in this space and so many other independent uh, giants, if you will, here, uh, given the news and given different vantage point and lifting the progressive voices. For, for me, this is about a decency. This is about humanity. And my service to people, whether uh, as a Cleveland City Councilwoman and an Ohio State Senator, somebody that was the Democratic nominee in my state for Secretary of State, running against one of the worst Secretaries of States in the country, as you know, Ohio. Oh my God, don't even get me started. I'm having flashbacks about what was happening in Ohio under that Secretary of State whether it's serving as the chair of party engagement in the Ohio Democratic Party, I have always been one to try to use my service both actively, actively in the public ministry, you know, I love the word ministry, or, or just in my activist mode to really use what I have, my gifts, my skills, my ability, my love, my righteous indignation to lift the people. And this time, right now, in this moment, this pandemic moment, more than any other, people were catching hell before the pandemic. We can work very hard and, and find some promise in this problem so that people are not catching the same type of hell after the pandemic. It is in this moment that I believe that I have the most to offer 
in terms of being that fighter that and that champion that the citizens of the 11th congressional district uh, need and by extension this nation as no person no matter how great they are no matter how talented or gifted they are can do all of the great things by themselves but if we unite together with other people who have ideas about how to lift the least of these the poor the work of poor and the better middle class collectively whether we're in, in a movement or in elected office or a movement and elected office, those things go hand in hand, Nomi. And so I just want to bring to bear that the passion that I have for the people in service to them in the halls of Congress. Senator, um, your life story, and I, I, I don't know how many people really know, because uh, I think a lot of folks were introduced to you uh, through the Bernie campaign, which is you know, pretty, the, the larger part of the last decade now. I feel like <laughs> yes. got the war wounds now. That is um, so true. But your personal story coming from Cleveland is remarkable. Would you be willing to talk about a little bit about how you grew up and, and what uh, inspired you to get into public service? Yes, and I'm gonna try my, my best not to break down. You know, I just did an interview earlier, local interview, and the interviewer asked me about my mom and it was kind of hard. You know, you have those moments where you can tell painful stories and just plow through and then you have moments where you can't, but thank you so much for that. Because yes, people see me and they usually see me fighting or in sound bites. So it's actually a great opportunity to be able to have some type of long form conversation about who I am and really what motivates me. But the oldest of seven children, daughter of Cleveland, as I said, educated in the public school system all the way through, even in, in college, college and university too. Uh, graduated from Cuyahoga Community College where I got my first degree and matriculated to the Cleveland State University where I received my bachelor's and my master's degree in dabbled in that PhD a little bit before politics totally consumed me and I had to put working on the PhD. <laughs> it does happen, just gobbles you up. But, it, you know, I had to, I kind of postponed other educational pursuits, which is still on my long list of things to do. But it is through my lived experience where my righteous indignation comes from. And you, from one person who utilizes righteous indignation to another, you know what that feels like. And oftentimes the tone might not be pretty the way that people like, but you and I, we get our point across. It is through seeing my mother struggle. My parents got married really young. My mother died at the young age of 42 years old. My father is still here with me. Love him madly. And he is one of my biggest supporters, no surprise there. But life happens to everybody and my parents didn't, you know, they got divorced early. And so my mother was the custodial parent. And so I, I lived watching my mother struggle, you know, being in the working class and struggling to feed seven children, struggling to buy Christmas gifts, crying herself to sleep at some nights. Uh, being food insecure, and I put the air quotes there because just flat out hungry, just not having enough food. You know, we always find these fancy titles to describe pain. No, just did not have enough to eat. Right. I know what that is like. I have been in the category of poor, working poor, and barely middle class. I have struggled the entire way to where I am right now and being a human being, I will probably struggle some more in other areas. So it is that passion and the feeling of other people's pain that leads me to be in service, whether I hold on to my formerly elected title or I get a new title, I will always be in service to people. And I do believe being the oldest child to, to not 
I'm trying not to get choked up here, really was training for me, Nomi, <laughs> training to be in leadership position because baby, you can't be the oldest of seven children seven and not, children. not work that out some kind of way. But it was really hard. You know, I was in my early 20s and married and my son was just born basically. And our mother died suddenly, aneurysm burst in her brain. My youngest sister was 12. I did not know what the hell we were going to do because I was a student. I was a sophomore at the time at Cuyahoga Community College trying to become a cycle breaker. And my mother died on the system of welfare. So when people rail against safety nets, I'm like, hold on here. But for a safety net, I don't know where I would be or my other siblings. When people rail against making investments in the everyday people of this nation, it, 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 it pains me greatly and I express it in those ways because I know what how having safety nets and having people believe in you and having people give you second chances, third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances, what that can mean to change somebody's life. That's why college for all matters so much to me because I am first generation. My son was second generation breaking the cycle. Uh, oh my God, no, I, mean, I could just go on and on. So I, I feel deeply, I love deeply, and it is the hell-raising humanitarian in me that pushes me to continue to be of service to, to the people. I think my mother would be proud. All seven of her children are successful in our own right. Nobody is the same, but in our own right, I, I, I believe that my mother would be very, very proud of us. I know you well, and I know um, more about your story. And, and I remember, um, if I can share something personally, I hope it's not too, too personal, but uh, we were on the road somewhere in some hotel lobby. I can't remember which Bernie campaign. or <laughs> Been the, in many. See, I have no idea. Uh, yeah. But your, your husband was there. And your husband is, oh, my God. If there is a fan of SNT and you have... <laughs> thousands and thousands of fans it is your husband and he I don't know I think you were like getting ready and he we were just sitting there chatting I said how'd you guys meet and he told me how he saw you in the window at your your employer and he just stopped it and you were like who are you <laughs> and then he beams about your how you've been able to build from the the hardships come out like a phoenix like the, the phoenix right um yeah and enter politics in and I don't know how many people know about like Ohio politics it's it's rough it's not an easy place to work your way through and in and what what was the origin point like how how did you go from from fighting for your family into fighting for your community through the political landscape Oh, college changed everything for me. I mean, being able to be a part of groups, you know, student activities. I was once the editor of the Mosaic student newspaper. You know, I try, I always reminisce towards the end of the year. You know, sometimes you look back on your life and like, wow, I did this, I did that. But, you know, just having those starting points and those points where you can cultivate and your gifts can begin to reveal themselves. It was activism in me then. I remember some protests I led as a student. I am just cracking my own self up just thinking about those things. But when I went to Cleveland State University, I was a part of a group called Students for Positive Action. And one of my dearest friends, uh, Dr. Ronnie Dunn, who uh, we graduated together, he kept going, got that PhD, but he's a college professor now. And I bring him up because we were partners in that group with some, some of others of our colleagues. And we decided that we just believed that people could change their lives by voting. Imagine that. And one of the first things we did as a group 
group was to help to register uh, voters in the city of Cleveland. In one neighborhood in particular, it was the Huff neighborhood. It was one of the poorest neighborhoods in our city. It still is, unfortunately, right now to this, to this day. But that experience uh, helped us to develop our leadership skills and abilities and also know that to whom much is given, much is required. Not that I had a lot in terms of money, but I did have the opportunity to go to college, to be in college at that time. And really, really, oh my God, so much wanted to to give back. So that was one of my first lessons. I got a chance to learn from one of the great, uh, she is certainly in the sister circle of a Fannie Lou Hamer. Her name is uh, Fannie. M. Lewis, ironically, from the great, from the city of Cleveland. She has since passed away, but she served on that city council for over 30 years. And she really taught us through watching her and being in her presence, what true service to people meant. She did not, you know, she, whatever she thought was right, whether other people thought it was wrong or not, whether it was along a party line or not, she stood for it. So she is in that sisterhood of my grandmother, the Fannie M. Lewis's of the Shirley Chisholm's, which brings me to this point. I'm not a, I don't worship at the altar of any man or any woman or any party. I worship God and I serve the people. So if folks want to know what kind of Democrat I am, because I get that a lot as people who are rising up against me want to say, oh, she's not real. Well, I'm going to tell you what kind I am. I am a Fannie Lou Hamer Democrat. I am a Shirley Chisholm, Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm, unbought and unbossed. I am of the FDR wing of the Democratic Party when he challenged the wealthiest people of his day and said to them, maybe not verbatim, but basically, I welcome your hatred as he was pushing and trying to be a champion for policy positions that would change people's lives. Know me. And I know I'm preaching to the choir and talking to you about this. You're firing me up right now. Now. More than ever. You know, the pain was there before the pandemic. But to quote my grandmother, the pain is shown up here now. And anybody with political power who doesn't have the intestinal fortitude, I'm trying to keep it PG, to use that power on behalf of the poor, the working poor, and the middle class, we got to question their service, Nomi. I, I'm, we just got to. I'm sorry. And, and no, you don't sorry to me. I just had a, right before you came on, I, I, I lost it on um, what's happening at the Capitol. And, and, and it, 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 it was the perfect motivation um, for really in, recognizing like, it, it is which side are you on, right? Which side of the Democratic Party are you on? Side. Which side yes. of society are you on? Where are you channeling your energy? We That's all right. have so many minutes on this planet. We all have so much energy. And how are you using it? Are you using it in the most constructive way? And I think, you know, what's, what's so uh, inspiring about this moment, because let's not lose, in the chaos of this moment, there is a lot of inspiration in that we have, despite the fact that you and I both know very well, the Democratic Party has completely pulled resources from organizing around the country of the last 10 years. And what that leaves is vacuums for the right wing to swoop in, and it leaves vacuums for extremist movements to rise up, and, 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 and we lose seats, right? But what we've done in the Bernie years, in the recent Bernie years, is we have decided, well, we're not relying on the party. We're going to do it on our own. So DSA That's grows right. and, and community organizations. Party and, yeah. All of these organizations yeah. come together and they um, start organizing on the ground and do mutual aid. And of course, people run for office. Yeah. Uh, and so that's inspiring. And, and I guess... <laughs> When you get to Congress, you know, you're because you, you, we have no doubt you're going to get there. But I, I do want to ask you, like, what the pathway is, because that's the traditional question you ask. You know, what's the yeah. path to win? It's a special election, of course. But when you get there, 
that dynamic, you know a lot of the people who are Congress members already. This isn't, you're not going in uh, inexperienced in national politics, inexperienced. I mean, you sit in the DNC right now, you I know do. members of Congress and you have relationships going in and, and you kind of know the jam. You know how a body of the legislature works. That's right. So in this moment, in this moment of crisis, how do you plan to work with your allies and others to really push for the most important, dire needs of this moment? Big, long-term uh, fixes like you know Medicare for all yes. and college for all and immediate fixes like more than $2,000 to <laughs> or rent relief. Oh my God, I, mean, I, I put myself in a position, imagine if I were the younger younger than I am right now. And it was the family that I was describing to you and my mother were, was alive and, and all of us were, were younger and, and she would have to, it, it, it's just unfathomable that in the wealthiest country on the face of the earth that we cannot do better, muster, muster the intestinal fortitude to do better. We can do better. It's about the willingness to do better. And what I want to bring to that Congress in compliment to my sisters and brothers who are already there in the progressive wing, that we have leverage. We will have more leverage in that Congress now than the progressives have ever had in a very long time in this country. Not just the outside forces, which I believe we must have an inside and outside, that the pressures on the outside push elected officials, even those of us who are progressives or however we're labeling ourselves. I'd rather be called a hell-raising humanitarian, that's me. But it is good to have movement leaders out there pushing the people who are elected over and over again. Even if you like those people, please don't fall so in love with politicians that you don't challenge them. I don't care who they are and I'm loved, but challenge me too, because that is the job of democracy. Everybody has a role to play. And guess what? You're not gonna always agree with the person that you like or even love and that's okay too. You don't have to totally dismiss that person just because you're fighting on, on an issue. That doesn't mean that that person is over. You just fight for that issue. And the outside forces can do a lot more to push, oh my God, in ways that sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, the inside people can do. But I am looking forward to going there to, to work with anybody. You know, and I'm saying this, and you're going to get why I'm saying this. Anybody who is there to serve the people. But I believe, and I believe, it's not a but, that the progressive caucus, the black caucus, the People's Caucus, any other caucus we're going to start, that those elected officials can banty together and get so much done for the people. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that we have a Congress that is working for the people? And I mean both houses of Congress, just wholesale working for the people. And what Georgia gives the Democratic Party, our party, the opportunity to do is, baby, put all that, put all that on the people. Great, great, great last question here, right? So in 2000, I, I posted something yesterday. I posted a tweet saying, uh, you know, we, we've been here before. We had the House and we had the Senate and we had the presidency under FDR and Truman. Look what we got. But that came with movements and organizing. That's it. It's not like FDR was some great progressive or Truman That's... was some great progressive. Yes. We had the House. We had the Senate under uh, we added under JFK Jr. and LBJ. They weren't some great progressives, but at least on domestic issues, especially I'll LBJ, say that. But yeah. especially, exactly. <laughs> we, but the movements pushed the Civil Rights Act. That was he did. Really I was going to say, no, he signed those things, but you're, I like how you're framing the history. We just got to tell the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Exactly. Okay. But it came with movement. Yeah. What we got 
wasn't because of them. That's right. It was because of the movements pushing them. Flip it, Obama, hope change, came out of the George W. Bush disaster and Obama had the House and the Senate and we did get Obamacare. Let's let's put that out there. That was a huge, we huge, did. huge, and it became the centerpiece of the right wing attacks on on the Democrats to this day. But the movement, I think, I feel this is my perspective. We were not equipped yet, and we were not ready to challenge him. And by the time we realized he was a little more neoliberal than we would have liked, or his administration was, um, it, we we didn't have the the organizing effort down. But this is different. We've been organizing the last decade hard and the movement has grown. And I don't think because of this crisis, Biden has the opportunity, whether because people just don't trust that he's a progressive or because there's a crisis that is so extravagant, we're going into spiraling into Great Depression 2.0. I feel that when you're in Congress with your colleagues, you'll be able to move more Congress members to the people's side because of this crisis, because they're going to hear people screaming in their communities who've been kicked out of their homes. That's exactly right. There is promise in this problem. And so when I think about the poverty rates in my district, when I think about poverty rates in, in cities, and you were in some of those cities with me that we visited the challenges are the same, whether I'm talking about the 11 congressional district in terms of increasing the minimum wage that if it had kept up with inflation would be well above $15 an hour. But let's go ahead and start somewhere. Let's start with the $15 an hour to make sure that people have health care. It is a moral obligation. It was before the pandemic. It is especially so now. So how can every other industrialized nation provide those types of things for their citizens? But then the exceptional nation does not we got to question those things. We have a paradigm shift. And yes, we do have the opportunity, Nomi, for the very reasons that you just said, which is we have more progressives in that Congress right now who can banty together and leverage. And we have a movement that is maturing. It's still young, mm -hmm. but it is maturing. It is becoming more powerful. And what I want to see for our movement is to become more organized and more agile so that we can. Oh, that's a good word. That's a good word. Agile. Yeah. yeah, more agile because we will. I don't want to 2020 happened. <laughs> We're going to leave. You understand where I'm going. But but we've learned a lot of lessons over those years and we should not repeat the same mistakes or the same growing pains, if you will, because it still is a young movement. By the time we get to 2022 and 2024, we should learn from those lessons and do things differently and continue to learn. We're going to be forever learning. But I'm going to tell you something about the progressive movement. Call it what you want. People can call. Because sometimes when I talk to my community, they, they might not necessarily call themselves progressives. But when I talk about they lost their job and they lost their health care, and do you want somebody in there fighting for it? They get that. When I talk about, do you, would you like a, a wage increase? They get that. How about canceling student debt? They get that. How about legalizing marijuana? They get that. So whatever label, how about people want to label it that might not be the label but let's talk about dignity and decency and moving people from survival to thrive how about that is it okay that the people in this country not just for the ultra ultra wealthy or the ultra ultra influential but that people like my grandmother your grandma your grandparents my mama other people's mamas could dare to live just a good life 
to go from survival to thriving. How about that? Can we can we come on come on board all on that? We have awesome opportunities, you know me, to do that both inside that Congress and also outside in those streets. And I want to tell the people that are out there fighting, like the Fannie Lou Hamers, who challenged in 1964 the Democratic Party and created allyship with her white sisters and brothers in Mississippi. Yes, they did. And, this, and, and created the Freedom Party to challenge that it is okay, in the words of Congressman John Lewis, to make good trouble. Or in the words of, 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 of Martise Chisholm of the National Nurses United, that good trouble matters. It does matter. And guess what? We don't have to have a fancy title. Let's just do what we can, where we are, what we have to be the kind of change that Brother Mahatagana, when he said, be the change you want to see in the world. We all have something to add. No, I mean, that's that's what, what I what I want to bring. And again, thank you so much. for asking. I can work with anybody. Now, working with doesn't mean acquiescing to. Can I just put an exclamation point on that, Sister Nomi? I, I just want folks to know I can't and they can check my receipts. I've worked with a lot of people that I didn't agree with over my public service time. They can check the receipt. But working with does not mean acquiescing to. And I believe that if my residents, if the residents of the 11th Congressional District send me to that Congress, they're sending me to fight and advocate on their behalf. Not to capitulate, not to go along to get along, but to help to change their material conditions. And for every step that I take for the people of the 11th Congressional District, those are the steps I'm taking for everybody else across this country, for every community that I was blessed to travel to and visit along this journey, making my city proud, my district proud. I carry the voices and the pain of the people who have the least, know me? And I will never forget where I, came, where I come from. So if people want to know why I act like my hair is on fire, those are the reasons why. We love it. Last question. Yes. I call you SNT, but when you're a Congress member, is it going to be CNT? <laughs> what do I call you? People ask me that all the time. You know, I thought it was original. The, no, no, but no. The fam, I shouldn't say people. The family members the like family. you. Yes, you're part of the family. I know this SNT has kind of grown on me. I, I, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> like CSI. I like SNT, and then I it'll be like a too. secret. No one will never no, ever yeah, know the why family unless they're old that, school. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Senator Nina Turner running for Congress in Ohio's 11th district. What day is the the special election? We're thinking that it is going to be oh, on May the 4th. Not okay. exactly sure, but we think May the 4th. We got some time. We got some time yeah. to organize and make calls. Five months, not, not a lot of time. No, I mean. Five months, yes, of yeah. course. Check out ninaturner.com. This is her website, beautiful website. And sign up. Uh, this is going to be one of the hot things in town because there are going to be some special elections, but, but this, this is one of the big ones. So let's elect Senator Nina Turner to Congress. Uh, thank you for everything. Thank you for your, your, your love, for your sisterhood, for your friendship, and for stepping up. Thank you. Back at you, darling. You're doing it in your sphere. So we are pieces to a puzzle. Love you. Love you too. (laughs) All right. We will be right back in just a couple of seconds with our panel. We're going to be doing some more live coverage of the insanity on Capitol Hill. Uh, I think we have somebody who's actually, who was in the midst of it (laughs) on the opposite, on our side, obviously. Uh, So, so stick around. We'll be right back. Make sure to hit that like button and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We are the channel of building ideas, building the movement, building alliances, building solidarity. That is our brand. And if you're on target with that, then this is uh, 
We're just grateful that you're here. All right, we'll be right back. All right, all right. Uh, welcome back. What insanity. Uh, we just scrapped our show today. We're, we're going all in on the coup that's under underway. We have the one and only Simon Rode. He is a member of our team. He was an organizer for Bernie Sanders 2020. Uh, Jordan Zacharin, he is the founder and he runs the Progressives Everywhere newsletter. Uh, and new to the show, we have Ali Owen, who is the finance director for the Matriarch Movement uh, organization. She's in Washington right now uh, in a U-Haul. <laughs> if I could say so, right? Moving. And she just got stuck in the middle of a Nazi rally. And I, and she's texting me and I go, wait, what's going on? Tell me what's going on. You're right there. So, so let's, let's put the footage up on screen and I'm just going to start with Allie and, and ask, you know, what's, what have you seen? Hey, Nomi. Um, I, uh, like you said, I'm, was stuck in a U-Haul, um, in gridlocked, uh, traffic on the North and East side of the Capitol for quite some time. Um, the city's road system in D.C. is actually supposed to be um, mapped out to disperse crowds um, away from the Capitol. And when a coup or something like this happens, um, it really created a bunch <laughs> Thank of... Thank you, Founding Fathers or whoever designed it. Um, yeah, it didn't work. Just letting want to leave that review there. Um, there were um, dozens of police uh, with their lights on going towards the Capitol, but very outnumbered by the crowds of um, MAGA supporters. I don't really know how to call them anything other than Nazis. Um, most of them were adolescent men. All of them were white. I didn't see any women. Um, and unmasked, uh, definitely armed. Some, Not all of them, but some of them. And... Um, just rushing in and out of traffic, going towards the Capitol. Um, all of the vehicles around me definitely had um, Trump flags all over them. And um, yeah, it was just not, it was a chilling thing to be caught in the middle of. Um, in terms of the, the the vehicles around you, was, did you see the license plates? Like, were, were they, did it seem like they were coming from everywhere? They weren't from D.C. No, they were from... Like mostly I saw Virginia and Maryland, some Pennsylvania ones. Um, the, there, I think like there were tons of police that were trying to get through and weren't able to get through. I saw, I didn't see any SWAT vans, but I did see um, a bunch of vans that were trying to get around traffic um, that looked like they were, they were vans that I, my friends had been put in the back of um, with zip ties on them at Black Lives Matter protests. So I had recognized them from that. Yes, unfortunately, I think a lot of us recognize the, the what should be at these events. Um, if you're going to have a National Guard, I believe personally, this is the time to, to use it. But, you know, they said no to that. Uh, Simon, let's let's talk about your take on this. You've been involved in many uh, on the ground actions and protests. You're in Portland where there's been an extraordinary amount of pushback against peaceful protesters. Uh, and <laughs> how, how do you feel about what's happening right now? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, it's, it's remarkable to see it happen. You know, the, the, um, 
the way it's manifesting isn't particularly surprising, right? Like, uh, I think this is demonstrating a lot of what uh, protesters like myself and, and, and everybody who's been organizing protests over the summer um, has been talking about the role of police, you know, that they don't really stand to protect and uh, to protect public safety, right? They're there to, to be the foot soldiers for an unjust system of, of uh, you know, race and class divides. And uh, that's what we're seeing take place here is the police are just sort of letting these people storm the Capitol. You know, I, I was arrested this summer just for standing in the street with a crowd of people uh, chanting George Floyd's name. So, um, yeah, the, the hypocrisy is, is on full display. Jordan, I mean, this is, uh, can, can, is is it fair to say this is a coup? I mean, I, I understand the traditional definition has to do with with the military, but our country, I, I don't know if we've experienced anything like this in the modern day that, that I can recall. Um, I'm sure there are history experts who could pop up and, and talk about this. We've had people storm Washington, the Capitol before. They've brought their arms, I mean, even recently. But this is, this is a city where you can't carry uh, <laughs> any guns, right? Like openly, it's... <laughs> well, I mean, we have a, a congresswoman now trying to carry a gun into the Capitol. Uh, you know, yes. that's the sort of thing that we're seeing, right? They're just like, okay, with these things and normalizing it and part of it. You know, they are just making these things... Okay, if it's a coup, I don't know, other than getting Donald Trump in office still, I don't even know what the point is. You know, it's it's just anger, just sheer white anger. And I think there's no surprise that this is happening. You know, this is not surprising at all, both because of Trump and just the way the country's been for the last 250 years. Uh, you know, democracy has been rigged, so most people don't have their vote counted. Uh, you know, businesses fund this stuff. They fund right-wing uh, terrorist politicians. They, but Dorsey, uh, keep that on screen. Sorry. Hang on sure. one second. I'm sorry, Jordan. What? Dorsey, can you can, is there a way to rewind a little bit just to show that that visual that photo? No, we can't. I'm sorry, Jordan. There was uh, you guys saw there was a photo of of what seemed to be guns up in the chamber, but I don't know who those people were if they were security if if not. But continue, Jordan. I didn't mean to. Oh yeah, no. It's just this is the the logical endpoint or a checkpoint maybe. You know, this is what happened hundreds of years ago. It's what's happening now. I mean, the courts and GOP lawmakers rigged democracy. Uh, Republicans embrace terrorism. They're showing up at these rallies. It's not as if they're saying, "Oh, please don't do this." They're hoping these people come out and vote for them. And you know, going out and meet the press, who's also enabling it, saying that this stuff. Uh, you know, trying to promote the idea that a vote was stolen. Businesses funded. Facebook makes this possible. Facebook Thank allows you. this stuff to spread. This thing was organized on Facebook. You know, Facebook allowed racist ads in the Georgia race. It didn't, and in the end, didn't make a difference. But Facebook allowed that to happen. You know, and so big businesses doing this. Republicans are doing this. They're all exploiting it. Then when you have someone like Kyle Rittenhouse getting out, uh, getting bailed out and championed, uh, the cop that shot Jacob Blake and paralyzed him seven times, shot him. Just got some punished yesterday. They're not pressing charges. Uh, the president's not held responsible for anything. You have like uh, Hakeem Jeffries says they wanted to, you know, they want to look forward and not backward. When we have a phone call with President Trump saying, please give me the votes, please give me 12,000 votes. Uh, this is what's going to happen because it's been condoned and they've been given impunity to do it. And so it's not surprising, but there's, and there's just so many people who are responsible for it that it's, uh, you know, it's, I could do a whole laundry list and it's just exhausting. I'm, I'm really happy you say this because out of the last couple of weeks, and you know, I'm not backing down on this. And I know that there, uh, there are plenty of trolls out there and, and folks who are well-intentioned who are angry about this, but we have to understand that this rage is some of it is manufactured and some of it is, there's, is monetized. And, you know, there's a reason why the right wing has such a large audience on Facebook and on YouTube. 
It is monetized. It is the algorithm is built to support this type of rage. It is built by white men. I'm not saying that the people who are building it have this rage, but there is a lack. I mean, it is a reflection of the folks who have built it and the financial uh, motivations of the folks who built it. And as a result, the worst elements are allowed to stay on for just a little bit too long until they're knocked off because they just went a little bit too far. But there are plenty of other folks who've been propagating this stuff. And 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 as a result, you know, you get the five-star movement in Italy. Uh, you get extremist right-wing movements in Ukraine and, and Poland. I mean, we see what's happening globally. And and in a matter of, of one day, um, this this takes place. Uh, Go ahead, go ahead. I was just saying, and there's, there's no consequences for it. We see the cops, right. you know, Donald Trump didn't want to send in the National Guard. The cops seem to be taking, I saw a picture of a cop taking a selfie with, I'm not going to call it a protest, with a terrorist. So this is the sort of thing that there's no consequences for it. Again, Democrats didn't want to uh, punish Trump for literally trying to overturn the election in Georgia. So until that happens, until, you know, Facebook is broken up, until these companies, you know, OAN is not allowed to broadcast on every single cable uh you know, provider in the country, there's not, this is going to continue happening until A, you know, things are made better by pure policy, like $2,000 checks and stimulus and, uh, you know, healthcare for all. I don't know how that's ex considered extremist still after what we're seeing. Uh, a, that has to happen. And B, people need to be held responsible because otherwise, you know, this is going to continue happening. And unfortunately, for the, all of American history, white people, white men have not been held responsible. Ali, I'm cueing you now. <laughs> Speaking of white men, what, what's your take on white men extremism? No, I'm just oh, well, I don't think you have enough time for that. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just really um, rattled by the contrast. I've been in a lot. I've lived in D.C. for the past six years, and um, there's a lot of cars that have MAGA things going around. Um, I've lived in DC for the past six years and I've seen a lot of protests from um, that are Trump supporters. I've been in several Black Lives Matter um, protests where people have gotten hurt. People have gotten um, very badly injured. People have been arrested um, for not even doing anything violent. Um, I've been tear gassed outside the White House. Um, my roommates have been tear gassed outside the White House. I have never seen anything like this. It is chilling it is violent in the air um there's a, a serious amount of tension and um the police looked scared when they were driving down the street um waiting to like go arrest people in vans um anybody can chime in simon you know you, yeah. you've been at so many of these protests before but i, I we were preparing the show right and then this all starts i, I decided to take a walk i was gonna get you know before i I have my little show routine. Uh, and then the next thing I know, I, I come home and I'm, I'm like, what? <laughs> What's going on? And I bring this up because it seemed like it happened so quickly. I mean, I know that they've been planning this and they were outside doing a rally. And and um, Dorsey, if we have that clip, just let me know when. There's, this, there's one of the new Congress members uh, was quoting Hitler at this rally. I knew that was happening. But... You know, if this were happening with, say, folks in support of BLM, um, you know, protesting the police, the the police would be around kind of waiting, right? This is a police officer on screen right now who doesn't seem prepared, doesn't seem to have backup, and is fighting off uh, protesters who are armed with a baton. I mean, the protesters chasing him right now with a Q shirt on, by the way. That's a QAnon shirt. Um, so, so I ask, like, Comparing the rhythms of a protest, right? You have you have peaceful protesters protesting the murder of of black men and women and people of color around this country, 
and the police just being there. And here they just like let them sit. I don't know. I mean, how you've been watching this closely for the last few hours. When did it seem to go wild? And why did, I mean, what would it be like if, if you were out there uh, just protesting, you know, peacefully? Yeah, I, th I mean, I think that it would be really different. Um, but I, I, you know, I personally would be fine. Is that, you know, I'm, I'm like, a, I'm a white man, right? So I, I'm like not as big of a target for police, right? But, uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's, I, I think something that's important to remember is you talked about how this grows on social media, right? And I, I totally agree with you about the algorithm and and the and what, everything that we've been talking about on yesterday's show and, and for the past few weeks. Um, I think also it's important to remember that there has been opposition to to these groups and these people who have been organizing online and and you know the um, the people who have been labeled you know uh, anti or anti fascists who have been um, you, you know totally condemned by uh, not just Donald Trump and the Republicans, but also Democrats and CNN and, and mainstream media. Um, and so when you denounce the people who are providing opposition to fascism, then you allow space for fascism to fester and grow. And here we're seeing the result of that. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, you know, having you know, worked in journalism for a long time, I remember uh, 2015, even before the election, uh, when Donald Trump declared he was going to run, I was working at Yahoo. And, yeah, it's a bit of like a further right audience. And the traffic on stories that were for, and I wasn't even on that news team, but I, you know, on the political team, but I would look at the traffic for stories for Donald Trump were just through the roof. Uh, so they just keep feeding that beast, feeding that beast. You see what happened with CNN, remember 2016, when they would just film his uh, lectern with no one there. And so this was a ratings bonanza and they didn't take it seriously. And now we're at the point where not only is, they cannot take Democrats, they cannot take them seriously, they can't take progressives seriously, they're leftists, they have to say, they have to hold these two parties as if they're the same thing. And so we have one side of this like terrorist cell, basically, that's a national party. And we have this other kind of like ineffectual left, uh, center left group. And, you know, then people like us, the leftists get labeled as, you know, extremists. But at the same time, media covers these people in a way that allows and legitimizes them every single step of the way. The fact that they're calling them protesters still, I mean, these people are like nothing if not domestic terrorists. And so this, like this Simon, is, yeah. This is what's crazy to me. I mean, this, um, I, I, when I turn on the TV, they say, well, so far they've been peaceful. I'm like, are you effing kidding me? They're armed against the law in DC, storming the Capitol, chasing down, literally chasing down police. And they're still playing this game. Um, we're gonna play Biden real quick. Sorry guys, Biden's giving remarks right now and I'm, I'm very curious what he's saying. Are they still his friends? Can we just start playing from live, Dorsey? That's okay. We don't have to rewind. We can't hear it, Dorsey. Sorry, guys. The We're not big is media. On sedition, <laughs> and it must end now. I call on this mob to pull back and allow the work of democracy to go forward. You've heard me say before in different contexts, the words of a president matter, no matter how good or bad that president is. At their best, the words of a president can inspire. At their worst, they can incite. Um, Therefore, I don't know if while we're waiting, you want to hear about what I'm, I'm just getting Trump. updates from some of my friends in the Capitol and what I've heard in the Capitol. 
Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Some people had been um, told to lay down and had been given gas masks that were in the chamber and um, instructed to wear them in shelter in place. I know that there are several um, members that are currently hiding and were told to lay on the floor um, in the back of the Capitol. Um, the Democratic leadership is being hidden somewhere in the Capitol right now, along with um, several other members that were voting on the floor when it was stormed. Um, I know that I saw uh, Rep. Elaine Luria had been, her office got evacuated first because there was reports of a pipe bomb that was outside, and she had heard gunshots outside of um, the Capitol. Um, I just saw that um, it was reported that a woman was shot inside of the Capitol. Um, and, we don't uh, know more about that yet so far. Um, we're still trying yeah. to gauge it. Go ahead, go ahead, Allie. Um, yeah, no, it was just, it was crazy. The initial um, things that I had seen were barricades that were just being torn down by mobs of people and the police standing there and not doing anything. So this is from Olivia Beaver. It says, hang on a second, keep it up. This is the, the gas mask we were given shortly before we were evacuated in case there was tear gas, et cetera. I took off my mask to wear it, wore it for a while and decided to take it off because it was harder to see all around me and didn't want to wear it if I decided to run or hide. That is, that is insane. I've never seen a gas mask like that before. Have you guys seen anything like that? No. Oh, it's like Darth Vader. Yeah. I mean, I really hope, and, and I, I'm glad that you guys brought up um, the media. I think this is a, a, a great wake-up call. I mean, this is, Cori Bush has been in office for two days. And this is what she, um, she and others, I should say, uh, including the QAnon. And I know I'm saying it and I might get flagged, but <laughs> including the Q, Q uh, Congress members who are literally... You know, as, as we covered yesterday, bringing their guns into the Capitol because they feel like D.C. is so dangerous. Yeah, it is dangerous. You just brought your mob with it. You just brought, I mean, do we have that clip of, of the woman rallying and, and quoting Hitler? A current Congress member quoting Hitler? Let's play that if we have it ready. But um, Bill Montgomery, who uh, was... Uh, instrumental in getting Turning Point USA no masks, started. Obviously, said, Mary, we need you, know, you global pandemic. You represent the family. Hundreds of thousands have died in the U.S. D.C. hospitals, Virginia, Maryland are all at almost capacity. I wear a mask. Right? I wear a mask. Within a few elections, we're still going to be losing unless we win the hearts and minds of our children. This is the battle. Hitler was right on one thing. He said, "Whoever has the youth." has the future. Our children are being- This woman just said Hitler was Today, right on I one thing. They're saying the quiet part out loud. With what They're saying the quiet part out loud because they live in their little echo chambers in the media and they don't get asked tough questions. And when that person who is a member of Congress uh, goes on Meet the Press or CNN, are they ever asked? about why they quote Hitler? Is Ted Cruz, ever, Ted Cruz ever asked, Mr. Constitutional Scholar, what it means to be in alliance with a movement coup? 
feel free to chime in guys i'm just losing my mind over here <laughs> I, I feel like allowing them uh, you know let's look back at 2018 when aoc and the rest of the original squad members took office 2019 the coverage that they got as some sort of like group of foreigners who don't belong in the capital who are these extremists who are going to bring down american democracy with their with their socialism is so pales like what they've how they were covered and compare like how madison cawthorn the guy who hung out at uh, hitler's lodge and said that was super cool and you know the lauren bobbitt who uh, brings her gun to the capitol and uh whoever the marjorie taylor green was i wish i didn't know their names uh how she gets covered in the one out of georgia and you know, they're like human interest stories they are seen as you know legitimate figures and you know maybe they're a little divisive they're called controversial uh in the same way that you know an aoc is called controversial where aoc's controversy is like uh, i want people to have a house and i want them to amazon to not wreck my neighborhood and you know maybe be able to like get health care while uh the world is burning and the controversy here is like hitler was right so i think the, i mean words matter and obviously you know, nitpicking at the media doesn't necessarily like change what's happening right now but even the way they cover it matters and you know having joe biden on screen just reminds me of him saying you know the republicans will wake up they'll they'll get it they'll come together they'll they'll realize things and now that you know again you know democrats have a majority as thin as it's going to be if they do not make things a whole lot better for a whole lot of People, not that I think there's any justification for what anyone's doing with these protests or, you know, this anarchy or, uh, you know, the, the right wing protest, protest terrorism they're doing. I don't think there's any justification for it. But if Democrats stop trying to pander to these people, you know, because the only way to stop this is, you know, change the country very significantly. Right. I, I, I will say I'm also I'm quite curious what else Joe Biden was saying in that speech, um, because all we really heard him say was like calling for these protesters to stand down or something like that, um, as if they answer to Joe Biden. Um, <laughs> it's hilarious to me. I'm just like, I think that the, like Joe Biden's brand of politics really doesn't have like a, a response to to this right-wing extremism. It's it just like the, this, I, the, this preaching about reaching across the aisle and finding common ground with people who you disagree with. These people don't want to like, don't want to reach across the aisle. They don't want to compromise with you. They're not going to negotiate with you. Like you have to fight against these kinds of people from the start. You know, this is what, this is why anti-fascist action is so important. Um, because like, you know, if you don't stop them now, when do you stop them? Like when they're literally inside Congress with guns, like, are you kidding? What? <laughs> it's legislative <laughs> fascism. I mean, it's legislative terrorism in my opinion. Yes. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing how Mr. Three Strike, you know, uh, crime bill uh, comes down on these people, right? You know, like that's the sort of thing. It's like people he wants to reach across the aisle when it helps right wing or when it helps Republicans. You know, this is the guy that, you know, helped put away people, especially black people for, you know, 20 to life for so many years. And unless they come down hard on these people, and it's tough because I don't want to be like, oh, we need more prosecutors. We, we need more prosecutors. We need more military. We need, we need more cops. Uh, but it's tough when there are no consequences for anyone. And there hasn't been for the last, you know, when I say anyone, I mean white men. Uh, and there hasn't been for the last 250, 300 years in this country. And, you know, beyond that. So it's, it's tough. I feel really weird like demanding cops step up right now. Um, but, I, I, I'm, I'm feeling the same thing. I'm yeah. like, this is this. Oh, I guess my only thing is it's not, you know, if, if you're going to have this type of, of, of system, it's, it needs to be equally dispersed, not just against innocent people and black people and uh, people protesting capitalism. Oh, isn't that funny how that always works together? But folks who are actively trying to take siege and hold of our government with, by the way, their electeds who are now in there as well. Um, Ali, go ahead. I know you just took it off mute. So I know you want to say something. 
No, I was just going to say that. I just saw that um, the Department of Defense had um, had uh, rejected a immediate emergency request from D.C. officials to activate the National Guard inside of the cap in the Capitol. And um, the Virginia governor had to activate their National Guard and send in um, the National Guard across the bridge in order to send people. I think that they're just now getting there. But my experience with protesting and um, police brutality it has been that when I've seen them try to control crowds before um, with tear gas and with um, different sound bombs and everything, it's usually it's at things that are at a threshold that are much lower than what I had seen before. And I just don't understand. It is inconceivable to me how it was not applied outside of the Capitol. There were people that were getting on top of steps that I've never been let on as a jogger in in the Capitol before. Um, and we're taking nightsticks and smashing windows. Yeah, you can see it right there. And um, it's it's just inconceivable to me that there is not this kind of bias. I don't know if it was because they assumed that the protesters were armed and that it would immediately start um, something bigger and because the police were outnumbered, but at one point they were not. And at one point they had the ability to be able to crowd control with the means that they had and keep them from getting into the Capitol, much less onto the House floor. And it didn't happen. Okay, that's the key. That's what I was asking is like compared to the protests we've been at where they surround us when we're literally just chanting in the middle of a park, like, you know, Black Trans Lives Matter. They they seem to have none of that. And this was planned, it was organized, it was called for by the president, the sitting president, and yet it seems like they were ill-equipped. And you know, and I, and I will even call out the mayor, who is a Democrat, because she should have been aware of this, briefed on this. This is, this is a Democratic city, and she does control the police force, but of course this is much bigger than just the police force, so I don't want to put it all on, on, on her. Um, I hope that they're blocking uh, the roadways into the city from Maryland and from and from uh, Virginia in whatever ways they can. I mean, Larry Hogan, uh, he's a Republican, uh, governor of Maryland, but I don't think he'd approve of this. He's a more centrist, like left people like him for some reason. Um, You know, let's quickly, this is insane, uh, but can we show the video of the woman getting shot? There's a a video footage of, of her neck. I haven't seen it yet, so I was just alerted that we have access to that. Can we show that, Dorsey? With the sound, if possible. Uh, no, no sound. Okay, can we just play it from the top? Oh, we can't play it at all? Sorry, guys, there's all these rules that we Sorry, have. I, I, it's Dorsey. I thought I direct messaged you earlier that I didn't want to play it just because it's graphic content and just got in it, case, got it, got but it. I think it still is okay. So that, I just wanted to confirm the report that I heard. Uh, I forget who was talking about it earlier. Sorry, I was doing some other things, but anyway, I just wanted to confirm that. Producing a show. It's okay. Um, all right. So I guess we should just go back to the other footage. I, 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 I kind of want to take this moment because I think it's really important that we're having this conversation about sort of what causes this, the, whether it's, folks like Ted Cruz enabling it, you know, constitutional scholar putting his own political uh, future ahead of, of at least Stefaniak in New York, uh, trying to do the same thing. These are, these are more mainstream Republicans uh, who have enabled this, this 
posturing by the existing president because they want to rely on potentially these voters um, who have stormed Washington. I mean, look at this. Look at the Capitol right now. But I also want to call out folks, and I know this is controversial, but there's a reason why I've put my foot down about this. It's not because I'm clout chasing, because if that were the case, I would be doing the same exact thing. When we on the left partner up with the right, and I say partner, that's a specific thing. That doesn't mean going on Fox News and advocating for progressives. That doesn't mean going on CNN with a Republican and debating them. It means partnering up with folks who enable Alex Jones, who platform other white ring extremists, who do national tours. When the left populists ally with the right populists, this is how you get a five-star movement in Italy. This is how fascism grows. This is not a theory. This is something that's been played out in the last 10 years across the world. And so I personally just want to remind our audience that, you know, when you're thinking first about yourself, whether you're Ted Cruz or you're a podcaster who wants more views and is willing to take some of the right-wing views or vice versa, that's dangerous for democracy. The results are the algorithms support it and you get folks who, who show up here. And I know it's, 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 it's a slippery slope and I, I just think it's really important for all of us to understand which side we're on. You can debate them. Uh, you can debate them on their channels, but don't bring them on yours. I don't know if anybody else has any thoughts on that. I think it's important, uh, you know, when we talk about Ted Cruz or Elise Stefanik being these mainstream Republicans, I think that I never take any Republican, you know, I think they're always just cynical looking out for themselves. But I think increasingly we're seeing a Republican Party that actually believes this stuff and they're allowing to like their inner beast to be unleashed. You know, there, there are some Republicans, I suppose, that, you know, you mentioned Larry Hogan, who maybe doesn't believe in, you know, abject racism and subjugation of people, uh, at least, you know, indirectly. Um, you know, he wants to do it more like a, a capitalist way. But I think that we're seeing, you know, Ted Cruz, I can't imagine him caring you know, beyond unless his office gets messed up, you know, I can't imagine him actually, you know, giving a crap. I feel like Ted Cruz did this in part so he could finally get some applause. You know, these are people who are just incredible. I mean, you know, incredibly selfish and incredibly cynical, but also I think they're unle- the monster has been unleashed within them. You know, I think that they're finally giving, being given permission. I think it's the entire the case for the entire Republican Party and so much the base of finally being given permission to be this awful. You know, and I think that like giving them credit is like, oh, you're more moderate and mainstream. I don't mean to like pick on you at all. I'm saying the way the media covers it is that, you know, the way I say like if you're not anti-racist, you're racist. It's like if you're not anti-terrorism, you're a terrorist. And I think that's the way it is with these Republicans right now. Or fascist. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think also I, I you know, I um, want to point out and Doris, if you want to bring up the photo that I found on on Twitter that these people who are in the uh, you know capital and taking over, they are the biggest dorks. I just want to. Uh, <laughs> what is this? Reminds me of that these people Wait. are. I mean, whose office is this? This is like the the Senate. This is where this like the. Is, oh session. my god! Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my god! They're oh just god. such losers and dorks. I don't think we should let that go. We talk about them as terrorists and Republicans are terrorists, and it's very true. But these people need to be like bullied and made fun of because they are <laughs> such losers. Um, they lost the election. Very lost mad. It's, it's just very so mad. <laughs> painful and stupid looking. I think that we should really underline that they're such dorks. And I say that with you know, anim- with like uh, you know, Godzilla stuff. I love Godzilla. I shouldn't even say. It. You know, I'm saying this with all this like goofy stuff behind me. We just uh, lost Twitch, guys. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, they are just such like so pathetic. You know, it's it's pitiful. But at the same time, we we can't underestimate the the violence. Of the oh, people. sure. 
I just yeah. need them to know. I don't want them to think they're strong is really what it is. They're you know, dorks they're with like, guns. Yeah, they're cosplaying and it's dangerous, but they're still like losers cosplaying. Well, and, and, and let's keep in mind that like the most right-wing extremism, and this is why the language and why we really leaned in on what was happening in the left in the last few weeks, language matters. You know, when, when you see like the, the, the lone wolves who do things, um, they're often triggered or it's incited by language. Maybe it's not a direct call, but it was inspired by language. And this is way more than one person. This is um, clearly a, 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 a problem, a major problem that I don't know how we're going to get out of it. But uh, in the meantime, breaking news, John Ossoff has been declared uh, the senator-elect beating David Perdue in Georgia. So... Finally, some good news. I mean, I can't believe I'm praising John Ossoff. I know, <laughs> I know. At the same time, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of geeks, we have an anime fan now in the Senate, a 33-year-old anime fan. So uh, people were retweeting him last night, just all his goofy tweets when he was like, you know, 26. Like, I'm loving them. Yeah, it was, it was great. Um, I think that's the best part about him. You know, I, I, act, I will say I'm excited to have someone who like understands what student debt is being in the Senate. You know, I don't know if he understands politics. what student debt is. He probably knows put, some people with it. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, no. keep in mind, his parents put millions of dollars into a super PAC for him to run for yeah. Congress. He probably so. knows some people with it. You know, he's probably seen it on Twitter. You know, I think that we shouldn't <laughs> underestimate that. That's something. I'm trying to be optimistic. Yeah. The, the Capitol's burning down. Um, I, I, mean, I feel they need to remind like viewers of the show who may not be super in touch with John Ossoff and, and his, his type of democratic politics, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't, um, support. He doesn't support Medicare for all. He doesn't support a Green New Deal. He doesn't support defunding the police. He doesn't support like any of the things that we're fighting for on this show. Um, so that's why we're not particularly excited about him in particular. While we yeah, but if he wants a future in politics, he's going to have to because he's our generation, and he's going to have to listen and run against like AOC. So good luck. Well, I'll say this: <laughs> the, uh, for all those awful, terrible you know, terrorism enabling Republicans, they do listen to their base and in a strange way, you know, it's, it's horrid, but like in a strange way, like the base there is very effective and they're horrible and they're terrorists and the worst people in the world. But uh, you know, if we could get John Ossoff to, you know, go to the left a little bit because he's afraid of the base, uh, we're not going to do what they're doing, but uh, because he's afraid of the base a little bit, that wouldn't be the worst thing. Um, I, 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 Dorsey, I just, I don't know if you see it on Slack. I just sent you a photo and that's why I'm cracking up because so this isn't just that they're dorks they're, they're playing model un in congress right now I'm sorry i know it's really dangerous but a guy a guy just took the podium and is like taking selfies with it. I can't, I can't. i'm sorry this is so dangerous but i keep this is insane this guy what's going on they're they're cosplaying it's it's pathetic and it's enraging beyond beyond everything else but it's absolutely pathetic and meanwhile the cops are like what how are these guys allowed to to purchase guns but where are where is the law enforcement right now we know that there's more law enforcement in dc Allie, are you hearing anything else? I know you're uh, you're safe right now. Yeah, no, I'm uh, in my my locked U-Haul with um, with. You really never want to be caught in the middle of a a Nazi crowd, but you really also don't want to be caught in the Nazi crowd in a U-Haul with all of your belongings in the back of it. Um, 
I have not heard anything about, um, I mean, I, I honestly just didn't see enough police going fast enough. They were outnumbered as an understatement. We had gone up, um, up Rhode Island and then up Massachusetts and Pennsylvania Avenue into Northwest. And there were police that have been driving, um, from like the Chevy Chase, Maryland side, um, down to, toward the Capitol. Um, but they haven't really stopped. It's just kind of in the intervals of like every five minutes. There's, um, there's also news that, uh, an explosive device is found at the RNC and the DNC and they are being evacuated. Oh, I'm sorry. It's found at the RNC and the DNC is being evacuated. It's a little bit confusing of a headline that's out of New York times right now. Um, Guys, this is organized. Can we just reiterate that this doesn't happen purely organically? I mean, obviously you have a leader who's who's inciting this, but uh, there's there's a reason why, like, we just keep saying we have to have solidarity and have to have a strategy because they do have a strategy and they have the media. They have, I mean, all media, all corporate media skews right from centrist right to far right. And the centrist rights will enable because they're not calling out this. Maybe every once in a while they do because they want to seem like they're uh, they're more dignified. But the reality, and, and of course, even the neoliberals don't call this out. So this is why it is so important to be strategic and organized. It's because we're up against this. I'm hoping that this, when we, we see things like, um, like the giant cross that was being erected in front of the Capitol today or the Confederate flag that was being waved inside of the building. I think that it's, I hope that this leads to a discussion about what white supremacy and fascism actually are, where they come right. from, and how they're enabled, and how they're how we can actually resist them. Um, and I hope part of that discussion is is understanding that um, liberalism, um, whether it's conservative or or quote unquote like Democratic Party liberalism. Um, it, is not a resistance to fascism. It's That's not going right. to, neither is capitalism, neither is, um, yeah, neither is, is either of the, the major parties. It's, it's like the answer is to really fight actual, fight for actual principles against the people who stand against those principles. Um, and, and, and that's, you know, that, that's socialism. That's, that's the things that progressives and leftists are fighting for. And, and if you're not, I mean, this is actually just to bring it back to the, the, the mission of our show and building and, and organizing is um, capitalism, as we've said on almost every single show that we've had, and at least several times a week, is built off of the exploitation of the weakest people in society. And it just perpetually hurts the weakest people in society, nice and most vulnerable people in society. And so, you know, as capitalism is growing at, at a rate that like the, the world's billionaires have made more money than ever in, since this pandemic. And as we're going into a global recession, folks are hurting more and more. And so that is why like neoliberalism is not the fix to this as we know, because neoliberalism is a vehicle of capitalism and capitalism is a racist, sexist tool. And if I can't make that more clear, <laughs> then I don't know if you're watching our show. Um, and the result is this, because if you're not calling out the vehicle that perpetuates this, whether it's the social media or the media that makes money off of Donald Trump is the best ratings ever, the list is what you get. I don't care if you're a dignified statesman. Dignified statesmen need to fight. You know, I remember after the 2016 election, we were treated to, you know, I think what 
people didn't understand. And I think what happened was that a lot of people, uh, you know, went to Trump because there was so much economic pain, right? That, that was the theory. And I think that's, you know, okay, a lot of cases, people are radicalized by their economic pain. We can't overlook that. And I, But I think what happened was that after 2016, we were treated to like 4,000 stories about white guys at diners. And we were supposed to try and understand them and their hatred and their seething anger. And all these guys, the people who were sitting at Nancy Pelosi's desk, people who were, who were carrying Confederate flags in the Capitol are the white guys at diners that we were told to understand that we had to like respect and uh you know uh, understand and you know instead of the, at the same time you know the black people who were protesting uh were yelled at for a little bit of a you know happened to have some violence at some shops right over in portland you know where there was some like uh, windows broken or in wisconsin where there's windows broken so until again like i the capitalist media starts focusing on the actual issues and not trying to one humanize terrorists and to villainize actual protesters, people who are trying to make a point and live better lives and in a more just society, we are not going to get to that point where you know we can uh, you know make a point. It kind of reminds me, and I know this is not necessarily um, reflective of this. It just shows how ridiculous the media is. When like Vogue did that full spread about like the Assad family like uh, two years before uh, the war in Syria. I mean, do you remember that? And then they had to take it down because it was so outrageous. And it's not like the reporters couldn't do the digging and understand who they were, but they did this like beautiful, you know, they went to Harvard and they wear pearls and they're part of the society dinner and they dress so well and they're so beautiful and their kids are so beautiful. I mean, th- it, this is obviously a journalistic issue that we're, we're facing where where they they do, they, I mean, the fact that like there are media firms that are bipartisan right now working for the right wing and the Democrats in creating these glitzy videos, it's, it's ridiculous. Pick a side. What side are you on? That- I mean, we're seeing a lot of journalists and reporters uh, organize, you know, get organized and unionized in a way that hadn't happened before since, you know, years and years ago, generations ago with the newspaper guilds. And I think that's yep. really important. I think there's a lot of pressure on reporters and journalists who, again, been decimated. The industry has been destroyed. So when I talk about the media, I'm talking about the people in charge of it. Because I think a lot of times reporters are just trying to get a story and they're just trying to, you know, get that freelance check, just trying to hit that deadline. And there's this pressure from up top, A, to, you know, push a certain narrative, B, to never seem, it's all this like guilty until proven, you know, innocent until proven guilty type thing. So they don't want to call anyone a racist. Uh, that's just institutionally what happens. And so there's so much pressure on so many journalists who are doing, who want to do a really good job, but they, the system does not allow them to do so. They cannot have nuance. I'm sure the writer, uh, you know, for that L piece, I don't know her politics or anything like that, but I doubt it was her idea. Um, you know, she got you know forced to do that. So I yeah. think that we need to kind of draw that distinction. And I'm guilty of it as well, saying the media generally, when I'm talking about the people who own the media, putting so much pressure on people who could be doing a better job if they were paid decent money and allowed to unionize. You're right. It was Elle. I apologize. I didn't have it off the top of my tongue. No, no. Um, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, real quick. Can we play Can we play what Trump, Trump just made a statement? And nobody can, um, I guess, comment on it right now. Is the sound on, Dorsey? Nope, sound's not on. I know your pain. I know you're hurt. We had an election that was stolen from us. It was a landslide election, and everyone knows it, especially the other side. But you have to go home now. We have to have peace. We have to have law and order. We have to respect our great people in law and order. 
We don't want anybody hurt. It's a very tough period of time. There's never been a time like this where such a thing happened, where they could take it away from all of us, from me, from you, from our country. This was a fraudulent election. But we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace. He doesn't want blood on his hands. Can I just say something about that? Of um, course. Jump on in. I, yeah. I feel like it's important for I think I think the only people who don't really already understand what I'm about to say are the I think liberal Democrats who think that this is a this is solely a Trump creation, what's happening right now. And it's important to understand this is white supremacy in action. This existed before Donald Trump. He fanned the flames of this movement, but he doesn't have he's not the ringleader here. He cannot tell them as he just did to go home. They're not going to listen to him. He it's it's bigger than him now. It's out of control. It's a monster. And it, Joe Biden can't tell him to calm down. Donald Trump can't call him, tell him to calm down because white supremacy is what America was founded on, is what America has always like, never been able to get rid of, right? And um, when Joe Biden, like Joe Biden's recent tweets where he's, he's, he's like, what's happening in the Capitol now is, is not who we are as Americans. This is, you know, we are better than this, you know, and all of his tweets lately, that's just patently untrue, like historically inaccurate. Um, so I, I just, it's, it's, it's out of control. A hundred percent. We, this is, this is, there was a foundation. It was built off of it. It was propagated. Um, <laughs> let's, let's, let's post the, uh, the, 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 the photo, the video that I just sent you, um, Dorsey, if you have it, it's on Slack, um, of the police opening up the gates. <clears throat> Oh, they're squabbling with protesters. Oh, there we go. Yeah, feel free. Come on in. Come on in, friends. And they just reached the Capitol again. We've all been at protests. When have we ever seen anything like that? Like a welcome like that? <laughs> it is... Um... The thin blue line thing, uh, their flag, I don't think it was in support of police necessarily. As, uh, I mean, law and order, exactly. I don't think police really care about that either. It's uh, just as bad as a Confederate flag at this point. Thin blue line means like thin blue line that you can break through, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> Man, all right. right. Let's. I think we have a couple more photos we can put up on screen and just get some reaction. Um, I don't see any more breaking news, but people are still at the Capitol. I mean, this is happening in real time. It's not... It's not stopping. I, I, I mean, this is, Sam Cedar just says, the Republican Party has nurtured this for years, aided by every member of the opposition party who expected the, quote, fever to break, and every member of the media who treated the GOP as having good faith, which is exactly what we've been saying. But to Simon's point, you know, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't break bread with these people. So there's no... The, the days of, of Joe Biden having drinks on Capitol Hill uh, with the right wing. I mean, it just it, it, this isn't it's not the buddy buddy society anymore. They can't go to like strip clubs and and have cocktails midday on Capitol Hill, the old boys club. <laughs> Long gone are those days. If, if we're, it's almost too big of a country because 
there's just so it's so hard to change any laws right both on the local and national level and i feel like so many other countries would at something like this take action immediately we saw what new zealand happened after the shooting they got you know they banned uh semi-automatic weapons like right away and this sort of thing is that you know the elections just happened and republicans strengthened leads in a lot of states in a lot of uh, down ballot places legislature we saw what happened in pennsylvania yesterday they didn't want yeah. to see a democrat who won um by 69 votes um which is so it's 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 really difficult. I don't know what the solution is because we just had an election. And unfortunately, there's going to be just as many states that are going to foster this further because they realize that's the best way that they have a chance. Republicans are going to realize that's the best way they have a chance of winning. So, you know, this may end today in terms of what happens in Capitol Hill, but the next two years are going to be uh, very bloody. I'm looking at the headlines right now. It's like pro-Trump mob breaches Capitol at least one shot. What are these headlines? What is going on, guys? And it's barely even making the headlines. It's 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 a look at the scenes from inside the House chamber as lawmakers evacuate. How about a look at the the, the coup that's taking place as they're stealing uh, memorabilia and statues and the podiums? I mean, this is and bringing in guns and shooting people. Yeah, this is. There there's this there's been movies about this. And now it's uh, you know, just the Republican Party. That's what they do. Allie, I mean, h- how are you feeling right now? As you're watching this? I mean I'm just as somebody who's lived in DC who has seen police brutality and who's also worked for um the Democratic Party before all of my time here. I don't understand i'm just becoming more and more perplexed as to why the left wing of the party is being called radicals as being mocked like can be mocked for um not towing a line that won't stoke people that are willing to do this um i i just don't understand this is the most radical thing that i've ever seen it's violent and um after seeing this kind of brutality like against my friends, seeing my friends uh, rounded up and um, thrown into um, police vans and then being brought into um, into big holding facilities where they had to stay overnight, um, where my transgender friends were thrown in with people with um, genders that they don't identify and were arrested that way and not given any rights um, against their will for doing nothing violent, for not protesting. Um, trespassing on federal property and having all of their rights just completely revoked and denied um, to prevent things like this from happening, just from going into the street and saying, um, if we don't do something about the systemic racism that is being perpetuated by people who are unwilling to speak out um, in Congress that um, is being perpetuated by um, by the police themselves, um, it's just, it's unfathomable to me that the imbalance of, and the contrast of how the police are responding to these two things, I just cannot see a more, um, I just don't know how, I'm kind of speechless. I, I, I can't see a more clear demonstration of t- systemic racism, but it didn't need to get to this point. Yeah, I mean, we saw in New York, um, you know, people being, I mean, you know, they were just like uh, cars 
police cars just rode over people. Yeah. They just yep. just leveled them, and there was no consequences there. You know, there was people who had been you know leading protests that were arrested week arrested weeks and months later. The cops stalked them down, you know, so that they could arrest them for I don't I don't even know some sort of random uh, made up uh, incitement charge or something like that. Uh, they terrorized people for months. They've been doing it, and you know, Bill De Blasio he he gave a statement, a cowardly statement, like the day before Christmas, uh, saying once a report came out that. Well, maybe I guess they did overdo it a little bit, the NYPD. And that's all That's all people got. Some That was like the one piece of indication they got. It was nothing. You know, people were just thrown in jail during the middle of COVID. And uh, we're going to see what happens here. I don't have a ton of faith that anything, you know, anyone's going to be arrested or any, anything big's going to happen out of it. But um, it is, you know, it's like, like you said, it's been impossible to watch and not, you know, just be dumbfounded. One thing that um, we did catch when we were watching Biden is that he did call this borderline sedition. And I do think that those words are powerful, even if he says borderline. I mean, maybe there's a legal reason why he said borderline or uh, that's, that's, that's a no, that's no joke. That's using the word sedition as the president elect is no joke. So as weak sauce as he's been, um, sedition is, that's a, that's a heavy, there's a heaviness there. There's a heaviness. I, yeah, I think he probably said borderline because he wanted to imply that there's still some sort of um, consolidation of power in the Capitol right now, and there's literally none. Um, the leaders of both parties are being held in an undisclosed location because there are people with guns uh, destroying the entire building right now who should have been arrested when um, they refused to get off of the steps because I've seen that happen to teenagers before. And right. now we don't have now a, a vote to pass the election uh, that was lawful of um, of our next president was held up because um, the Capitol Police just couldn't keep everyone together. And it's not like nobody knew that this was going to happen, by the way, like right. government officials knew that this protest was going to happen. They, they were advertising it. Um, on so many different mediums um, on online. I'm sure that you've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen um, like the organizing efforts um, on QAnon side online saying that they're going to take the Capitol, saying that it was going to be violent. And I'm just so struck by how underprepared everyone looks. Um, and I think that it also kind of ties into this whole narrative of um, of not calling you know, you were talking, we were talking earlier about um, how a lot of these people just look like nerds or how they, um, they don't look that, um, that violent or anything like that. When I walk down the street and that somebody's wearing a Make America Great Again hat, and if, if I'm by myself or, and I'm in a parking lot, I feel unsafe because I know that this is very likely, since Charlottesville pretty much, I've felt this way. Even in the capital, even in a place where guns are never, never allowed, where I don't know a single person who owns a gun who could be anywhere in the capital with a gun at any time. They take gun laws very, very seriously here. Um, and I think that just seeing all these people who look like, you know, Midwestern or Southern or Mid-Atlantic um, uh, tourists that are around the capital if they're saying things and they're organized and they have an intent to come and storm the Capitol, like, I don't understand why it's not met with the same amount of preparation that 
the riots of 60, uh, you know, 69 were around the convention against the Vietnam War. It's just a a decision that our government makes to say these people mean it when they say that they're coming with violence and with intent to disrupt government and that these people don't have that intent, but we assume that they're going to have it anyway. Well, they have the cover of the sitting president who... Uh, Jim Acosta reports from CNN, a source close to the White House who was in touch with some some of the rioters at the Capitol said it's the goal of those involved to stay inside the Capitol through the night. Number party. <sighs> you know, I think you know, one one answer to why didn't they prepare was that you know Donald Trump had to be asked. The Homeland Security had to you know give the okay, the thumbs up to the National Guard, and they didn't you know, for a long time. And so that is, a, it is a deliberate choice. Like you said, they made that choice to not prepare because they were fine with it happening. I mean, I don't think Trump dislikes seeing on the steps of the Capitol, Trump 2020 flags, which I'm seeing right now on CNN or MSNBC. Like, I don't think he's against that. I don't think he's going to say, hey, make sure that they don't get to the Capitol on the steps to put up the flag. And so again, like you said, it is a policy choice. And that is, you know, a horrible con- condemnation of our government and uh, where we are right now, it makes sense to not feel safe because I don't think people want to protect uh, other people from mega hats. You know, I have family in Arizona and <clears throat> one of my uh, family members was driving and, and took a picture of the Republican uh, office in Tucson. And Tucson's a left city, for those who don't know. Rel Grijalva, who's one of the most progressive members of Congress, is from Tucson. Uh, it was formerly Gabby Gifford's district as well, but also Martha McSally, who's a Republican. Um, but keep in mind, it's not it's not as far right as other parts of the state. And the RNC, uh, the Republican headquarters there, has a, a sign that says Trump 2024. The official Republican Party of Arizona says that. So, I, th- I mean, I thought that was pretty bold. I thought that was pretty crazy that last week when I was texted that, that's, that's what it was. It's going to be incumbent upon Democrats and to, to have some guts and to make sure that he literally can't run again. I think that's a big part of it. They cannot just let him, you know, uh, tweet and ignore him for the next four years because otherwise this madness will continue and, you know, he's going to run again. Um, I have a question for you guys. Mm-hmm. That... Um, I'll start by saying sort of my thoughts on it. I think that if this, I think if this were taking place, I think first of all, this could take place under a Joe Biden administration, that the far right could still storm the Capitol building. And do you think that if that were to happen under a Joe Biden presidency, that it would be playing out vastly different than it is today? Do you think that the National Guard would be called in? Do you think that the police would be taking more action? I personally don't think it would be a big difference. And uh, the reason for that is because I think the police and the military and the United States government uh, stands on the side of of white supremacy, racial hierarchy, and um, class divide. I think that they would have, um, I think that they probably would have been a bit more prepared. I don't think they would have responded in the same way they would have, you know, if, you know, uh, people of color protested or they do people of color, you know, they I think they may have been much less violent towards the way, uh, towards them than they are towards protesters and, you know, people on the left and people of color. They may have been a bit more prepared, you know, I think just because they're bureaucrats, but I don't think that they would have, you know, shown up and stood up for uh, democracy <laughs> and, you know, had just had it been under Biden. I think you're right. Allie? I mean, I, it's hard to know. Um, I think I, I tend to think that more centrist um, Democrats underestimate um, the 
the violent intentions that um, and the potential um, of something like this to happen. I mean, I think that if anyone in our government um, had uh, any sort of I mean, the transition is un- is going under right now, and this already happened. Like, it's not like they have the ability to be able to um, deploy the National Guard or anything like that, but they're getting security updates every- and briefings every day. They know exactly what is happening, and it's not like they were using any of their organizing power or online, um, or online presence or um, any of the ways that they generally communicate with the public to be able to uh, alert them of how unsafe this was going to get. So um, I think hopefully we're, there's, there won't be an opportunity for us to find out, but I am not really optimistic about it. I will say that I think they understand how serious this is. And like you said, Uh, The administration is currently putting together the pieces, and I don't know if if in the first few days they would have been able to do anything, but I think the least that they could have done was call the National Guard, and I do feel like they would probably do that. Um, I I tend to think that the the centrist right and the centrist left um, would not hold back on this, um, as they haven't at the RNC under a Democratic administration. Uh, when there's been, I mean, I've covered the RNC and seen how Democratic mayors, they, they, they fully equip. Um, and I think they're tracking this. I mean, my frustration about this is they're so in bed with tech companies that I think the battle is really happening behind the scenes and how to take them on. It's not just deplatforming Alex Jones or Milo. Milo. It's it's really much deeper and they have to penetrate it. Um you know, and 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 understand that there is a lot of hate speech. There's the exceptions to free speech when you're inciting violence. And I think when you have a president who gives cover to that, meaning the current president, um, it, it muddles our vision of what's actually happening behind the scenes and the fights that are happening. And I'm really, really, really hoping um, at least one thing comes out of 2016, even if I do believe the Democrats were at fault because they weren't focused on organizing and they they underestimated what was happening. I do think they have a sense of how serious this is. And I really hope that they're willing to stand up to their their donors and their supporters um, and cabinet nominees who are part of this ecosystem that has perpetuated this, that has helped the most extremist elements of our country grow the same ex- extremist elements that took away uh, their positions on the Hillary Clinton cabinet or their positions in the Hillary Clinton office. And until they're willing to to really be tough on themselves um, as being part of this, it's not going to go away. But I do think at least he would have had the uh, the National Guard come in. Can we just uh, show that that last tweet before we wrap up? Um, and I'm really appreciative for everybody for sticking around this breaking news. Uh, I, I'm, and everybody who's watching right now for sticking around on YouTube, on Twitch. Very grateful. So Linwood. <laughs> Uh, indisputable, indisputable photographic evidence that Antifa violently broke into Congress today to inflict harm and do damage, not Donald Trump supporters. Don't be fooled. It was Antifa that created the violence in our cities uh, over the past few months. Now, that's, I don't know, it's Philly Antifa posted that, but uh, somebody listed that one of these is neo-Nazi Matthew Heimbach. Does anybody know anything about this? 
background? No. So interesting. Um, they're trying to blame Antifa, of course. I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> I'm just yeah, going to throw that out there. <laughs> I want to say real quick, you mentioned tech companies uh, a few weeks ago, actually last month at this point, I noticed that um, one of the, Gavin McInnes, the co-founder of the Proud Boys, Mr. White and Nationalist. Vice. And Vice. And Vice, yes. Um, he was on Cameo, you know, the, the site where you can get celebrities to read names and things for you. And I brought up Cameo. I said, why do you have a white nationalist on your, on your platform, okay. allowing him to spread his message and be paid? And they said, no comment. And so we went out with it and we kind of, you know, tried to make a big deal about it. Twitter, uh, people post a lot about it and still hasn't changed. I don't know if that's going to change after this, but, you know, even just not willing to kick a white nationalist off your platform is, you know, allow him to monetize. He's literally monetizing the platform. It's not just, you know, it's not just freedom of speech, so to speak, uh, until like something like that even changes. Uh, we're, we're in for a lot of trouble. And we're not really sure where the money's coming from either. I mean, it could be a large entity. It could be when you take super, it's, I, I don't know enough to know if it's coming, if we can take foreign money from super chats, meaning people in this space. Um, this is why I go really hard on Joe Rogan because Joe Rogan has the largest podcast in the country and he is not an independent podcaster. It's Spotify, which is a publicly traded Fortune 500 company. And he received uh, more money than we could ever imagine. And he platforms people like, McGinnis. Yeah, he platforms uh, uh, great people too. That's amazing. So does Fox News. That's the gimmick. They're like, well, you know, we're, we're uh, it's, it's, it's about having both sides on. Well, you don't have white supremacists on. You don't have terrorists on. You don't have people who are inciting violence on. Even if you have the other side. That's not how this works. Messaging is a psychological game. And so I will stand on this hill alone but it is something that I've put the, my foot down. And I've got a lot of crap for on our show. You don't platform these people. You don't platform extremists at a moment ever when fascism is rising. Yes, it's great to debate, but there's no way of debating fascism. They're not in. It's not good faith debate. This is not like you know the, the Lincoln Douglas debates, guys. Come on. <laughs> All right. Final words from anybody uh, as I do the sh shout outs from our, our chat. Uh, Go for just, it, Jordan. Uh, no, I, I think, you know, it's just one of those things where I, I just want to say I was watching the MSNBC yesterday and they had Robert Gibbs on and you know, he was Obama's spokesperson. Then he went to work for McDonald's as an Uber and Uber just paid you know, $100 million to, to basically destroy the economy for working people in California. So again, it's one of those things where until we can have a media, you know, media decision makers that can, you know, be honest with people and have, uh, you know, not, a, you know, not present the left as a bunch of corporatists, we're going to be in trouble. Okay, also, well, wow. what are we while at? you're saying that, those that's just so you guys know, that is media equipment. The AP, there was a monitor from AP Associated Press. And my guess is it's probably something that was like sitting in the galley, but I don't know for sure. Um, Simon, last thoughts. Um, yeah, I'd just say over the past few minutes, um, some members of Congress, uh, Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and others, have called for Donald Trump to be impeached. Um, I I fully support Donald Trump's impeachment. And uh, I also want to add, and I sound like a broken record when I say this, but that, that what we're seeing is white supremacy in action. This existed before Donald Trump. If you impeach Donald Trump, it will persist after Donald Trump. And we cannot forget that. Good. Very good. Allie, final words? Um, yeah, just on the note of impeachment, I think if Richie Neal had done his job, I just want to point out that um, we would have maybe had a, a little bit more... Uh, more of a successful impeachment effort prior to this, um, but- um, Richie Neal, who Alex Morse ran against. 
the yeah the um he's uh was the chairman of um boys and means and um had held off on um evaluating any of um trump's tax um returns and subpoenaed subpoenaing them successfully um until never did um and now it just it's disheartening um to see that it's um it's taken this for um another impeachment effort to actually have another uh life in congress i mean i don't know how uh, it, it, how there would be an impeachment. I don't know how procedurally that could be moved through this quickly. Uh, but if there's any moment that you have leverage to get these votes, I would say it's now. So, uh, all right, thanks. Thank you to everybody. Stay safe, Allie, especially. Um, but there are there is word that there are protests happening all over the country. So we hope that everybody stays safe uh, inside and especially our lawmakers. Um, who are in the Capitol right now and their staff and anybody who works the Capitol, we hope you stay safe and you're okay. Um, sending love. And if you are at the Capitol and you're watching for whatever reason, uh, <laughs> please send us a message. We'd like to hear what's going on. Um, please reach out to us, the Nomi Key Show at gmail.com. Uh, we'll be updating along the way. You can check us out on, on our, our Twitter page. We'll just, you know, a lot of us have networks of folks that work on Capitol Hill. So I'm happy to share what's going on. And with that, shout outs to Stephen Business Co Cohen. Hi, Stephen. Uh, Nomi Key, this is crazy. Yo, sure it is. Darian Large or Large. Thank you, Nomi Key. Thank you. Uh, flexing emoji from Goku just saying, thank you so much. The Yufio Uf answer, Jimmy and Tulsi may be loving this, must be loving this. No comment. Uh, Eclipse Eclipsk three. Nomi, have you heard what happened in the Capitol yet? Well, I guess that was sent earlier. We have. And Prairie Fire Kowalski, thank you for the love. LT, thank you for the love, Nomi Key. I know you don't need my contribution, but I appreciate your channel and perspective. Keep up the great work. We do need it. Maybe uh, we as a collective, so, so grateful. Our, con I mean, all of the contributions, I know it's cliche, but it helps keep this thing going. It's what our, it's how our team uh, is able to do the work. It's how we're able to do these live shows. It's how we're able to pay for Zoom. <laughs> uh, it's how we're able to pay for our camera. I mean, we're hoping to spruce up some stuff in the new year, but really it does mean a lot and we're very grateful to you. Infinite bomb dog. <laughs> the right protest with no consequences. The left protest and they give us felonies so we can't vote. Here, here. And thank you to Professor Harvey K, of course, for being in the live chat, mixing it up. And MIDI doctors, you work the algorithms so wonderfully. And if there's a time when we need to work these algorithms to fight off these guys, um, it's now. And so solidarity, thank you for your work. We can't do it alone. And so it really does take this community really, really grateful. And huge, huge, huge thanks to Bob Choking and Orb for kicking out those trolls, keeping them troll free. Orb, thank you for working overtime. I know this was sort of a surprise. Breaking news happens and, um, you know, it happened right before we came on the show. So thank you for sticking around. And extra, extra thanks to our guests, to Allie, Allie Owen, who is uh, works at Matriarch. Go check out Matriarch. Uh, she works very hard in building up that movement. We're going to be doing some trainings this year, and she's spearheading that. And special thanks to Jordan Zacharin and Simon, who's part of our team. Simon Road, go check them out. 
and very, very, very grateful to our sister, our leader, Senator Nina Turner, ninaturner.com. Go check it out. All right. Oh, and hi. Thank you to our team. Thank you to Dorsey for sticking around. He's like, finish up now. <laughs> Dorsey, thank you for sticking around. And to everybody else, Mike, Piper, Ruthie, Simon, this is how this community, Kyle, who's, who's out you know, watching Twitch right now. To everybody on Twitch, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Very grateful. And oh, we got one more. Thank you, Lava Land, last minute donation. Thank you. Very, very grateful. We'll see you tomorrow at three o'clock. Uh, we're gonna have a very good show. Uh, we're going to be talking with Rep. Rab, who's in Pennsylvania right now, and we have Judd uh, Legume, and I believe, I believe we, ooh, I don't know, I think Martin Pastor is going to be on, if I have it right. I think we have a last-minute booking. So check it out tomorrow. It's going to be a really good show. We're going to talk about all this. See you tomorrow. Take care. Be well. Safe. Solidarity. Solidarity.